stop. With green hills behind, ignorance within, and the wide sea beyond. Hookton, like every place in Christendom, held a vigil on the eve of Easter, and in 1342 that solemn duty was performed by five men who watched as Father Ralph consecrated the Easter sacraments and then laid the bread and wine on the white-draped altar. The wafers were in a simple clay bowl, covered with a piece of bleached linen, while the wine was in a silver cup that belonged to Father Ralph. The silver cup was a part of his mystery. He was very tall, pious, and much too learned to be a village priest. It was rumoured that he could have been a bishop, but that the devil had persecuted him with bad dreams, and it was certain that in the years before he came to Hookton he had been locked in a monastery's cell because he was possessed by demons. Then, in 1334, the demons had left him, and he was sent to Hookton, where he terrified the villagers by preaching to the gulls, or pacing the beach, weeping for his sins, and striking his breast with sharp-edged stones. He howled like a dog when his wickedness weighed too heavily on his conscience. But he also found a kind of peace in the remote village. He built a large house of timber, which he shared with his housekeeper, and he made friends with Sir Giles Marriott, who was the lord of Hookton and lived in a stone hall three miles to the north. Sir Giles, of course, was a gentleman, and so it seemed was Father Ralph, despite his wild hair and angry voice. He collected books which, after the treasure he had brought to the church, were the greatest marvels in Hookton. Sometimes, when he left his door open, people would just gape at the seventeen books that were bound in leather and piled on a table. Most were in Latin, but a handful were in French, which was Father Ralph's native tongue. Not the French of France, but Norman French, the language of England's rulers. And the villagers reckoned their priest must be nobly born, though none dared ask him to his face. They were all too scared of him. But he did his duty by them. He christened them, churched them, married them, heard their confessions, absolved them, scolded them, and buried them. But he did not pass the time with them. He walked alone, grim-faced, hair awry, and eyes glowering. But the villagers were still proud of him. Most country churches suffered ignorant, pudding-faced priests who were scarce more educated than their parishioners, but Hookton, in Father Ralph, had a proper scholar, too clever to be sociable, perhaps a saint, maybe of noble birth, a self-confessed sinner, probably mad, but undeniably a real priest. Father Ralph blessed the sacraments, then warned the five men that Lucifer was abroad on the night before Easter and the devil wanted nothing so much as to snatch the holy sacraments from the altar, and so the five men must guard the bread and wine diligently, and for a short time after the priest had left, they dutifully stayed on their knees, gazing at the chalice, which had an armorial badge engraved in its silver flank. The badge showed a mythical beast, a Yale, holding a grail. And it was that noble device which suggested to the villagers that Father Ralph was indeed a high-born man who had fallen low through being possessed of devils. The silver chalice seemed to shimmer in the light of the two immensely tall candles which would burn through the whole long night. 
Most villagers could not afford proper Easter candles, but Father Ralph purchased two from the monks at Shaftesbury every year, and the villagers would sidle into the church to stare at them. But that night, after dark, only the five men saw the tall, unwavering flames. Then John, a fisherman, farted. Reckon that's ripe enough to keep the old devil away, he said, and the other four laughed. Then they all abandoned the chancel steps and sat with their backs against the nave wall. John's wife had provided a basket of bread, cheese and smoked fish, while Edward, who owned a salt works on the beach, had brought ale. In the bigger churches of Christendom, knights kept this annual vigil. They knelt in full armour, their surcoats embroidered with prancing lions and stooping hawks and axe-heads and spread-wing eagles, their helmets mounted with feathered crests. But there were no knights in Hookton.